Okay. Are you working? Okay. I think it's working. Are you working? Are you working? I'm talking. Really work. (laughs) Put the thing down, flip it, and reverse it. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good day. Good evening. Good night. Is there another time zone? I don't know. Good people. (laughs) You are listening to another episode of Music and We. It's a special episode, though, because I have a really old friend here that we have not seen each other in 20 years. That's right. (laughs) So we have E.T. on. What's up? Hi. (laughs) I haven't seen Jamila in 20 years, and the first day that I see Jamila, we're recording this podcast, but somehow it feels really right because it feels like no time has passed at all since I saw her, which was, I guess, in the early 2000s, yeah. um, but my name is E.T. Russian, and I know Jamila from the Pacific Northwest, but now I'm on in New York, and Jamila's out on the East Coast too, so we're reconnecting. <laughs> oh my goodness. Feels really good. Yes. <laughs> and I asked ET, I said, Do you want to do an episode on being disabled and going to shows? And I just think that's a really good idea because it's not a perspective that you really get in terms of people doing content about it. So I'm sure there are networks where people talk about it. But not everyone has access to those networks. Yeah. So a lot of uh, social media, you know, that kind of thing. But not everybody has that. And you can't really always get into a nuanced discussion in that way. There's only so many ways you can say things on social media. Yeah. So I think addressing it is really important, especially with someone who has experienced it. And the both of us have experienced this. Yeah, I'm I'm 45 and I was in a train accident when I was 18 and I became a double leg amputee and I was heavy in the punk scene in the Olympia, Seattle area. Uh, so I've been a double leg amputee for 20, over 26 years. And so at this point, it's been a really long time. And then what was a real surprise was someone I had known way back in the day, Jamila, and we knew each other through the punk scene, but I don't know, we just like connected and you would crash at my house like a lot when you came through town. And uh, I think we were pen pals, mm-hmm. but um, and I always wondered like, oh, I wonder what happened with her. Like, I wonder where she is. I would like remember stories you had told me and stuff like that. But anyway, we reconnected during the pandemic uh, when you became an amputee. Mm-hmm. And then we started talking on the phone and texting and stuff. Yay! <laughs> and it's kind of strange to say we reconnected in this interesting way. But sometimes the universe sends you people who may have gone in and out of your life at some point. So I cherish all of these moments. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, same. And like, even though like Jamila might be new, newer to being an amputee and I've been at it for multiple decades, every time she sent me a text or a message... It really made my day because I still, after this many years, just don't have enough community. You kind of never have enough. Yeah. And uh, it just fills my cup to be here. So I'm like really psyched. And I don't know, I've gone to so many shows, like hundreds of shows, seen hundreds of bands and gone to tons of kinds of performances and had all kinds of access fails and I love punk, but punk is like terrible about disability and like the music scene is like terrible about access, but I think there's some movement there and so that's cool and I'm really curious like what it's like for Jamila having you be experiencing it now in the 2020s. I'm like, wow, because I was experiencing it in the 90s. Right. <laughs> so let's the access was not good. Yeah, let's talk about that for a moment because I've also seen hundreds upon hundreds of bands and a lot of those places are tiny 
A lot of those places are holes in the wall. Uh, a lot of those places, the bathrooms are, forget about it. Good luck fitting in there if you have a wheelchair. So what was your experience as a punk in the 90s and going to, say, house shows or even club shows that are smaller places? I mean, like, I didn't know that I could ask for support then. And so I thought I just had to show up to the show like everybody else and just stand there and be in tons of pain for all the bands. And then when I couldn't, like, being an amputee isn't necessarily painful all the time, but standing without moving for long periods of time is a lot of pressure on your legs, and it kind of adds up. And so then you can't even really focus on the band because it hurts. So then at a certain point, I have to go sit down. But then when you go sit down, like, everyone is standing in front of you and so you you never see anything and that was my experience in the 90s was either being in pain or sitting down and not being able to see anything because I didn't know I could ask for any support and no one was offering it Mm -hmm. and now I have to say like I went to a couple concerts in Brooklyn just in the last couple months at this stage of the pandemic and it was really cool because It was a venue that was like collectively run and on the website they had access information. So when I showed up, they were like, oh, do you need to sit in our like accessible area? And I was like, yes. And I know now to like show up early because that helps navigating access barriers. Before I used to just show up to the show like, you know, at midnight when the band I wanted to see was going to play. But then when you show up that late, there's not time to navigate the access needs you have. So now I'll show up early and like sometimes places will have a seated area that's elevated where you can like watch the band and not have the view blocked and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And so that's been really cool. And I've experienced things like that. But I have a lot more to say, but I have seen some (laughs) movement about it. But yeah, at first I just didn't know I could even... There was no conversation about ableism. There was no awareness around disability. It was hard then. It's still hard now, though. Yeah. So that what was the first experience you had being able to ask for assistance in the punk scene? Or did somebody approach you and say, hey, you know, is there something you need? And what would you say is different uh, these days? Okay, that's, I've, almost no one in the punk scene has ever asked what I needed in a wheelchair. That's almost never happened. I have crawled into venues. I have been sexually assaulted, (laughs) like trying to enter a venue because someone was drunk. You know, people drink a lot at a venue. I'm sorry, I should have shared that as a content warning, but it's, There's been times where I go to a venue and it turns and I'm in my wheelchair. I walk and I use a wheelchair, but sometimes I can't walk and I'm in my wheelchair. So like I'm remembering one time where there were two flights of stairs up in. My girlfriend had to piggyback me up the stairs and this drunk dude took advantage of this moment where I was vulnerable and basically assaulted me while my girlfriend was trying to like help me up the stairs. And I've been assaulted more in public by strangers trying to navigate access barriers when people are drunk than I ever have and so for me like disability and actually sexual assault are Mm. that intersection is really alive for me and my body and especially in public spaces like venues where people are drinking Mm. and I'm not against drinking like I drink but some people use that as an excuse to violate consent right, right. <laughs> so I don't know very few times like I'm thinking about Clyde Peterson right now who is this is a positive story like Hi, Clyde yeah Clyde <laughs> is a mutual friend of me and Jamila and grew up also in the Pacific Northwest where Jamila and I met and he was really involved in this like basically multiple spaces he's been involved with at this point he makes sure that there's a wheelchair ramp and like access on different levels And he's one of the only people I know, and I just want to give a shout out to him. He also does a lot of solidarity with deaf community. I wish more people were doing what Clyde was doing, because then you can just go to a show and see a band, you know? 
Absolutely. What, what about you, Jamila? Like, what have your experiences been like? Well, before you get into that, I do want to say a positive is you are seeing a lot of ASL or whatever country you're in sign language at shows. So I think that's a really positive step mm-hmm. um, towards acknowledging disabled folks. Mm. In terms of my experience, I have not gone to a lot of shows as a disabled person. But most of the shows have been bigger. But I did recently go to a smaller show. <laughs> and I did have to contact them beforehand, which is usually the case, I guess, in the smaller place. They were fine. They saw me. They said, okay, we know who you are. So, you know, they helped me. But the bathroom situation, because let's talk about that. Yeah, the so, bathroom <laughs> is a whole nother yeah. factor. So... The bathroom was a little bigger than the other ones. So there was one stall that was a little bigger. However, the door didn't close once the wheelchair was in. So I had to ask people to stand in front of the door to block so people wouldn't see me. There were some folks who were drunk, so it was a little little tricky. But, I mean, what else were you going to do? You know, the door is going to be wide open and somebody's going to, ah! So... that was my only choice yeah it's like you get in the door but then if you have to pull your pants down and pee where strangers can see you it feels really demeaning when you know that other people get to have privacy and you don't so then it feels like your like disabled body is on display during a vulnerable moment like peeing with your pants down which people could also like sexualize that moment and I don't mean to be like hitting this issue really hard over the head, but it's really, it feels really bad in the moment. And um, so like the move, like there's a lot of activists in the community really are wanting to push all venues to really prioritize making the bathroom an accessible bathroom, which means it has to be bigger than the average stall because in the wheelchair, you need to be able to turn it and stuff so you can shut the door so you actually can have privacy when you pee and poop. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And a lot of the buildings in New York are older, so they're taking a little bit more time. And so the venue I went to, the person who was my direct contact for attending the show, she actually discussed this with her manager and said, yeah, we need to deal with the bathroom issue. So that was something she was concerned about. And I don't know if that's something she necessarily uh, had to think about, but she did mention the night before there was someone who attended a wheelchair, but it might have been somebody who didn't have to use the bathroom or they were able to use the bathroom in a way where they didn't have to close the door. I don't know. But yeah, so it was a really interesting experience. (laughs) So I know that if... I wore an amputee that was using a wheelchair, and probably even if I had my legs, going to CBGB's would have been a horrendous experience. CBGB's is tiny, or was, it's no longer around. I've been to so many shows at CBGB's, and I really don't remember anyone in a wheelchair going there. Right, and CBGB's is like a legendary historic punk music yeah. venues so then you think about all the people who are excluded from like getting yes. to be part of that subculture exactly. and then people think we just don't exist but it's like no actually the space and the culture of the space weren't accessible so then that's why you think we don't exist we actually do exist right and it makes me wonder how many disabled folks who were either in bands or attended the shows and they may not have had physical disabilities but maybe their depth of field was off or something that affected how they moved in the world. But it's not something you necessarily think about because when people talk about disability, it's usually someone that's physically disabled. But people are walking around that have non-physical disabilities that are not acknowledged. They call them what, silent disabilities? Uh, Non-apparent disabilities. Yeah, that's another way too. So... It just makes me wonder, because there are definitely a ton of musicians who have disabilities, whether you know it is a finger uh, being cut off or they may have different leg heights or, 
or they may be on the autism spectrum or there's there's a lot of people or they have multiple sclerosis yeah. or cerebral palsy exactly. or all kind of things yeah i mean at the moment i'm just i'm thinking about like bands or like projects that are centered on that are like feature people with Ian chronic Drury. illness or Ian disability Drury was one like he had the uh, he had a song called Spastic, Spasticus Autisticus. Yeah, so he wrote about that. That was, yeah. Okay, this isn't punk, but uh, Leroy Moore is part mm-hmm. of the Crip Hop movement. You know, he's yes. one of the founders of the Crip Hop yes, movement, K R I P H O P. Yes. And they featured tons of musicians and hip hop with disabilities of all kinds. And so, like him and his that project are doing really massive work and through Leroy I actually learned about this African rock band called Staff Benda Balili and they all met most of them were unhoused and they met at the polio center in their town and they were like street musicians who like got discovered quote-unquote and became famous but a lot of them are in wheelchairs or on crutches and they're like an African rock band of these dudes. They have these cool, like, adapted wheelchair motorcycles that they ride because, what? like, where they live isn't necessarily accessible yeah. for, like, a regular manual wheelchair. So they have to get something that's kind of bigger wheels. But, you know, a Nomi Lamb in Pacific yes. Northwest, Nomi yep. is, a, like, a well-known amputee, punk, feminist, queer non-binary musician there's a lot of amazing people out there so it's not like we're not out there but uh yeah the culture my thing with punk culture and like going to shows sometimes there's a ramp and there's a seating area for people with disabilities but it's the culture of like what people do especially when they're drunk And like I drink, but like people's behavior is just amplified when they're drinking and you'll be in like the disabled section, but some drunk person will be standing up right in front of you, really tall, blocking the view and just be completely oblivious. And so it's not necessarily the venue and the access barriers. It's the culture of the behavior of the people who are at the show with you. Mm hmm. And sometimes I was telling Jamila earlier, like I went to see ESG and Sister Nancy recently in Brooklyn and it was amazing, but like the disability wheelchair section was really small. Mm. And there's this one woman who like could stand up from her seat and she stood up because she was so psyched for the band, but then blocked the view of everyone else in the disabled section. So she was in the disabled section, but blocking the view of everyone else in the disabled section. And she was just really like unaware of that. And so I think we're all trying to develop our lens of seeing this in the world and recognizing it. And I don't know, that's why it's like, for me, it's like really great to be here in Jamila's space, see her playing the drums, see her like all her guitars, see her recording studio and see her doing all of that in her wheelchair with her like amputated leg and all the things and me here and just feel like it makes me feel really alive to be here. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I keep saying this don't be afraid to do the things you love be okay with making mistakes because that's how you grow and i had a lot of anxiety around playing music as an amputee it's been years since i played music i think the last time that i regularly played music was with clyde when i was in a band with clyde (laughs) so that was like 20 years ago and what was the band called? Your, your Heart Breaks, which oh, is still going. Oh, you were going. in Your Heart Breaks. Oh. I was in the first iteration of Your Heart Breaks. I played drums. Okay. Yeah. Wow. They are still going. That's it's amazing. Old school. That's amazing. It's amazing. They're still going. And, <laughs> and I have not played instruments regularly since then. I have made music, but it wasn't regular. And so, yeah, I would play guitar, I would write music on the guitar, I would play percussion, I would play keys, that kind of stuff. And it was a little more random than anything. And it wasn't until I became an amputee where I became reacquainted with music in a way where I'm playing a little more regularly now. 
and making songs and things like that. And I definitely have Clyde to thank for that because reconnecting with Clyde and they were like, what? You, you need to play some music. <laughs> so I just am so appreciative of being reconnected in this very specific way. And it was just so unexpected. But then there is the, well, I haven't played in a long time. Am I able to do this? I have one leg, so it's very different. And I had to learn to modify what I did. So the drums are set up totally different. And I will not let anybody touch the drums because the way that people usually play, it's, I can't do that. I have one leg. <laughs> and then my left foot, which is what I'm using for the kick pedal, that's not in its strongest state. My foot's just eternally swollen, or at least yeah, for cause, now. Yeah, because both your legs were injured in your accident, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And the so left. So you, you modified everything about your drum kit. Yep. Yeah. And it's an acoustic drum kit, but I started off with the octopad thank you Clyde <laughs> it's just a little pad and I practiced that way and then I got an electric drum kit and then moved to an acoustic drum kit and it's hard playing acoustic drum kit as an amputee that cannot wear my prosthetic as I'm playing drums okay can you explain to people what you showed me earlier like how what you changed about your drum yes. kit? yes so the snare so most drum sets are geared towards a right-handed player i play like a left-handed person and so instead of playing the lead uh, with my right hand i'll play the lead with the left hand but i'm also playing open i'm not playing crossed usually and the snare because i am playing the kick with my left foot the snare is on the right side However, the hi-hat is still on the left side. So in a traditional drum set, the hi-hat is usually on the left side for a right-handed player, but it's still that way for me, but the snare is just on the, the opposite end, and it's usually on the left side. And then I have the main crash cymbal is on my left, but it's closer to me as opposed to in front of me. So usually a crash and a ride cymbal are in front of you. It's on the side of me because it's just easier. It's harder for me to reach in a wheelchair because <laughs> you see people have a drum stool. So it's easier to move around. I can't do that because I'm in a wheelchair. It's also taller on a wheelchair. So I had to move everything up. So it's just set up differently, way differently. It's interesting. Uh, I know you know playing is you're like, what are you talking? You're looking at me like, what are you talking about? No, I don't. I don't. I'm not a musician. This is ET. Right? I'm not a musician at all. But Jamila showed me her whole setup tonight. And it was really cool because I, I wrote an essay at one point about Rick Allen, the drummer, yeah. one armed drummer mm -hmm. from Def Leppard, right. who they had already become superstars when he had two arms. And then he was in a car accident. Mm -hmm. He lost an arm thought it would ruin his career and actually they went on to create more like huge mm -hmm. hit albums and he adapted his whole drum kit for a one-armed drummer right. and he, in his situation he made it so that he did more foot pedals to compensate what Jamila is talking about is creating more that she's doing with her arms and the setup of her drum kit and more with the left foot to compensate mm -hmm. for the fact that she's not really used really using her right foot for the drum kit. So like, I don't know anything about drumming, but I know that much. And it's just really cool to see her feel like free and loud and like musical on the drums. Like after doing all that, it's like makes, it makes me feel alive, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I also, so one of the things is I have to stay with a clothes high hat. So uh, ESG, so you talked about seeing ESG. So ESG will do alternate, a lot of alternate open and close hi-hat. I can't do that. You need two feet to do that. <laughs> Unless you have some kind of trigger, you can do that. Like Rick Allen has a ton of triggers. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He has a lot of electronic yeah. recordings of him hitting certain mm -hmm. drum sounds. And so he actually, yeah, you're right. He does a lot of electronic ad adaptations yeah. to give the sounds that he wants. Yeah. So I could maybe do that where 
uh, I can do open and close. But again, I have one foot. He has two. He just has one arm. And so that's a little bit easier to adapt when doing open and close hi-hat or a lot of other things. And so I saw a documentary on his setup. It's fascinating. It's so many pedals. It's so fascinating. But it's like, you know, he's just banging with the one and then doing with the foot. It's, okay, so it's I randomly stayed in a hard rock cafe uh, hotel in Las Vegas one mm-hmm. time. <laughs> and I'm like not recommending that hotel particularly, but I'm just going to say that they had a lot of like rock and music memorabilia, like outfits that Beyonce had worn and like Johnny Cash's <laughs> guitar. And they had one of Rick Allen's drum set setups on display in the hotel and of course I practically cried it felt like going to like Frida Kahlo's bed at her house in Mexico like I was just like "Uh," you know it's like my ancestors basically I'm like I was feeling it so yeah okay so Jamila we talked we've talked some about like punk and about our own like creative experience I'm curious what your experience has been going to stadium shows because Ooh. I have a story I want to end with about going to see Metallica in my wheelchair, but I feel like that's the finale of this podcast. So I'm curious, okay. like, okay. what experiences you've had? Wow. So my first show in a wheelchair as an amputee was Metallica. So I went to the 40th anniversary show with Jesse, the co-host of the show. How so- old are the band members of Metallica at this point like they're in their 60s yes so they're from the ages 58 to 60 currently yes (laughs) so I think uh Roberto Trujillo I think he is currently 58 going to be 59 I think I think and then uh Lars is 59 James will be 60 this year and Kirk will be 61 this year. Yeah. Okay. Kirk just looks so good. I love Kirk. But Kirk has always looked so good. I love Kirk. Okay. I love Kirk so much. I I am a, I, I love Kirk Hammett. Kirk, respect Kirk Lee Hammett. That's all I have to say. That's all I have to say. <laughs> That's all I will say. <laughs> okay. But tell us about your stadium concert so experience. So it was, it was good. It was interesting to navigate. So I took the plane there. It was in San Francisco. That wasn't too bad. And it was the first time I've ever gotten on a plane since being an amputee. So it was kind of tricky. I was late for the flight, first of all. I mean, f- flying in a wheelchair is a whole series of podcasts. Yes. Any travel and with any disability is an enormous series of podcasts. Yeah. But yeah, okay, so yeah. bookmark that for yeah, future okay. we will, topics. We will do that. So getting to the venue was interesting. We didn't uh, stay that far from it. So we actually walked there. Walked, you strolled. Strolled. I walked. call it strolling where oh, some people are rolling, one. some people are walking. You're strolling. That's a good one. Yeah, that's how I say it. You're strolling. That's a really good one. Yeah. I strolled there. Jesse walked. <laughs> cool, cool. And we blasted some Metallica on the way. And we got there. We were just hanging out. And then I went to the bathroom before because I was not trying to have a bathroom moment during Metallica. It was interesting because it's because it is Metallica. It's, I think, more dudes that go to the show. So I love shows like that because, you know, like women, there's not a lot. (laughs) You're like, yay, I'm just coasting. And the interesting thing about (laughs) being in a wheelchair is that people get out of your way. Not always, but people are like, oh, you have a wheelchair? Okay. There, there's the stall designated for you. But there weren't a lot of people in the bathroom, which is cool at first. But I noticed that people will automatically assume you cannot do things for yourself. So this also happened in the smaller show. Like people like, so you're like in a wheelchair at a rock concert. Yeah. It's totally random strangers. Hundreds, yeah. thousands of people. Yeah. yeah. So you're I, dealing with like... Yeah. People being like, oh, do you need help? Exactly. Okay. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I've been going to the bathroom for a while by myself. I'm good. So it's like cool that they checked in, but it's also like I do have some capabilities. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. If I need your help, I will ask you for it. Yeah. So, yeah, I get people are trying to be nice, but I think that it is a perception about disabled people that we cannot function without any kind of assistance. 
Yeah, they just see us as this homogenous group. It's like right. we're all alike. None of us can do anything. Right. And we need you to come in and be the hero. And it's right. like way more complicated than that. It's like we're all individual people. Some of us have different abilities. Just ask us. And if we don't need help, we'll just tell you. Exactly. And just getting to that, don't assume that someone is or isn't disabled. Again, getting to the quote unquote visuals of it. Because yeah, like apparent or non-apparent yeah. disabilities. Like, can you see that someone looks disabled? Right. Because there are people go to the store that use the the chairs and go, why are you doing that? You can walk. Some people have spinal cord injuries and maybe they could walk on that day. But five minutes later, it was so painful. So they needed to be in the chair. So yeah, don't assume just because you see someone walking, they're not going through something. Everyone is going through something. We just don't know what it is. So don't make assumptions. That's the message of the day. But anyway, back to the shows. So yeah, it, going to the bathroom, especially you know, being a woman, going to a rock show because it's 90% dudes. That's the easy part. You know. But then yeah, people are like, do, do you, are you sure that you don't need help? Are you, are you sure? Are you, because I can help you. I, I know you can, but I don't. <laughs> I'm fine. I don't need anything. Yeah, at that so. point, you're doing extra labor to reassure them know, that you're I able, know. like you I already know. said. Yeah, it's I know. Like, let's all move on. Okay, so, so how was, so what What else happened? So the at the Metallica show, there was different shows. So I've seen Rammstein as well. And that was fascinating because the seat that I got was an accessible seat and the the um what do you call it the sides armrest yeah the armrests opened up but it was a regular seat and so they saw us going in there and they were like what what, what are you going no what are you what are you doing like i'm gonna transfer to the seat no just go to the designated spot go to the concierge and see if you can go to the designated spot so apparently the designated spot somebody probably had gotten a space for that and they didn't show up or something so we had to wait so we got in the original seats and then we had to wait and they were like oh the spots open up so we had a nice spot in the open box which was cool so that was the the Rammstein show so the 40th anniversary show was great of of Metallica yeah so you got a great view and me and Jesse got to be next to each other. It was really cool. They were like, oh, yeah, together, you know. But the second show, the person was like, wait, you don't have a ticket here? Because there was another person. Well, there was another person who had the seat that was in a wheelchair. So they're like, yeah, you got to go to, you know, you got to go to your seat, Jesse. <laughs> but, yeah, it was cool. Wait, you got to sit in the accessible area, but your friend who was non dis not apparently disabled didn't get to sit with you well we had we already had the tickets for the seat so the first show because there was nobody there they were like oh you can sit there or whatever you know, but this other it. situation they wouldn't let you two sit together right because there was somebody who already had the seat oh yes mm-hmm. and they were in a wheelchair so yeah, yeah, but it's it's like when they provide us seating, but we have mm. to sit alone completely away from I know our friends or our partner or like, yeah, yeah. it's very ice. It's like you've created access, but you've also isolated me at the same time. Right. Anyway, it's, I know it's, it's an imperfect. I don't mean to like look a gift horse in the mouth, but like that's still ableism. You know, it's still it's not tricky. true yeah. access. It's you know? tricky. Very tricky. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. I think there, there, first of all, there should be more seats for wheelchairs. Yeah, there there's like should what, be more maybe accessible six or seating. something at 10. I don't Yeah. But there's not a lot of them at all. So that's a huge problem. And then there's very few seats for folks who are with folks in wheelchairs. Yeah. So there's even less of those. It's, yeah, we got to do better people. Yeah. <laughs> so the big show that I went to, so, um, I saw Metallica with Jesse twice. And so those two times were good. And then I went to see them in Pittsburgh. But this time I got Snake Pit. So you know Snake Pit, right? Yeah. So that was tricky. So I actually contacted the folks at the Metallica headquarters or whatever you call it, Metallica.com or whatever. And I said, okay, I got the Snake Pit. But what's the situation? Are wheelchairs okay with that? And they were like, 
well, yeah, wheelchairs can go, but the stage is pretty high. So, you know, and I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> I'm going to go anyway. I'm going to see. I, If anything, I have a seat I can go to if it's really bad. So I went. The band set open I did sit for, but Metallica came on. I stood for majority of their set, except Whoa, for Fade so the Black. So you stood up? I stood for Okay, tell ninety five percent of the okay, show. Okay, why were you standing? Because everyone else was standing, and otherwise you would have been looking at their butts. Is that why you had no? Because I so wanted to the stand band? for Metallica. Because I wanted. Because I would have been looking at their feet if I wasn't standing. First of all, yes. So, that, so, but I mean, that's an access issue, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And I was told about that that the stage was really high. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. And so it it would have been the same thing if a little kid went to. Um, you know, or someone who was like short stature, yeah, yeah, yeah. relatively short. And stature. There, there are people I know who have done Snake Pit that are, you know, not very tall, and they're like, yeah, it's. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was a thing. I stood for. They do a two-hour set, so I stood for about an hour and fifty-five minutes, I would say. And my legs were talking to me after they, I was in so much pain. I was in so much pain. But during the show, I didn't feel it. This was, you know, all the adrenaline and it was such a fun show. But yeah, and to see the band, like where you are, probably I'm going to do like maybe one foot back and that's how close they were. So yeah. Oh, wait. So you saw them from a few from feet away. From the snake pit. Yeah. Okay, so you're talking about like less than five feet away yes. you were from the band. Okay, yes. well, that's legendary status. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen such a big band like that so close up. That's So that's amazing. why I stood, because I'm not sitting for yeah. that. So yeah, I mean, my legs hurt in the end, but I think it was totally worth it. It's not something I would necessarily want to do again, but I'm glad that I did it. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> and... At this show, I did see someone who was blind. I saw another amputee. I saw several people with walking assistance. I thought this was really cool. And my favorite part of the show was there was this dude in a wheelchair and people in the audience were lifting this dude up and he was within close sight of the band and they were like, yeah, cool. So that was my favorite part of the whole show. Just the dude in the wheelchair was like, yeah. I Do you want to tell so that story about the dude with the leg? Which one? Which the one where at the end of the set, they're like, whose is this? Oh, oh, <laughs> what show was that? I'm forgetting what band this is. But <laughs> so, yeah, either the, the dude with the leg went in the pit and, you know, got moved around. Okay, this was a, a dude at a concert with a artificial leg yeah. he went in the mosh pit okay and then i think happened? he went in the pit or something or just got caught in the wave and then they were like whose leg is this and the kid was like it's my leg and they passed him the leg oh my god i have to remember what band this oh is oh my god yeah that made me smile so much as, okay because that was one of my big fears going to a show and bringing my leg and losing it but i don't know for some but then reason, you saw someone happen and they're like hey whose leg is this and he was reunited with his yeah. leg so you're like okay it's okay it's all gonna be all right i know i, I don't know why that made me so okay. happy because legs legs are expensive and they're not always covered so if you lost the oh leg, one of one of my artificial legs just from the knee down is $20,000. Exactly. So imagine going to a show and losing that. Yeah, no, no. Okay, so <laughs> so one of the first big stadium shows I went to in my wheelchair was uh, ACDC. <gasps> and I remember this like gay couple who were both in their wheelchairs who had like ZZ top level <laughs> beards. They were like bearded gay men who were like, true fans of acdc and i just remember everyone in the wheelchair section rocking so hard and me being like yes i am with my people <laughs> so that was one of my first like experiences wow. of being in my chair at a stadium show and that felt really cool i've seen a number of bands from the wheelchair section like janelle monet oh, and wow. solange and wow 
you know, uh, like Mariah Carey. You saw and, Mariah like, Carey in the wheelchair. I did. I That's saw. All, I saw about. all those people in my wheelchair. Um, it's interesting though because it's always really far from the stage. Yeah. Oh so, wait, like, I saw Mariah I, Carey in a wheelchair too. Let me not talk. Okay. <laughs> See, we both then. But like, I've I my experience of like, if you want to be really close to the stage, you usually have to stand. Yeah. So that's yeah. tough. But so the story that I wanted to tell about Metallica was I went with my friend Darius Morrison. Hey, Darius. Hi. And we went to some like stadium show in Seattle like 15 years ago or something. The key arena. It was like Quest Field, or I don't okay, remember yeah. what it was called at the time. Oh, it, I know it was not Key is, Arena. Yeah. It was an open air. Concert. I know it's the baseball stadium. It was the football stadium, okay, okay. I think, at the time. And okay. anyway, it was a tour. Metallica was touring with Limp Bizkit and like Lincoln Park and some other band. And we had to sit through all that. And anyway, Darius and I like grew our hair out into like mullets and like metal hair because we bought the tickets like months in advance. We really prepared. I went in my wheelchair. I was like more femme presenting at the time. So this was like 20 years ago. And anyway, a couple things happened. One is that basically these dudes in the pit were like do you want to go up in the pit because we will lift you up in your wheelchair so you can like surf the crowd and i was like thanks i'm actually like a little nervous to do that but i would totally do that at like the next big concert i go to but i'm like not really ready and they one of the dudes like put his arm around me in this very protective way and was like if anyone messes with you at this show you just let me know. And me and my buddy see him. We're going to take care of you. And I was like, thank you. And it was like maybe toxic masculinity, but also crossed with some nurturing. And actually, because that space was just what it was, I was like, I'm going to take this win, you know. Nice. So like that was cool. So I could have crowd surfed in my wheelchair at Metallica, but I was a little bit intimidated. Then they were like, oh, you actually can go to this elevated platform. So like it was a stadium. So, you know, the seats were like there was thousands of seats that would like scale up many levels. Mm -hmm. And then there was the the field where like a football team would play in the middle of that field. They had an elevated platform that was ramped that was for disabled, sick and disabled people. Wow. And so we got to like watch the band down on the field level, but above the level of standing people. And that was one of the best acts, like closest I was able to get to a big stage like that, but still be able to sit down and see what was happening. And that was really cool because there was other people in wheelchairs there. And I was with my friend who's like not just like not physically disabled. Mm -hmm. So like we had a really fun time. And the last thing is... <laughs> is that like I was in my wheelchair and I don't remember what kind of leather I was wearing, but I was wearing something leather and so was Darius. And this femme who was wearing a leather halter top and she had long hair, she was like, I don't know, I think she was like feeling me in my wheelchair and like that I was like rocking out at the Metallica show. And she was like, do you want me to flash you? And I was like, yeah, I do, you know, because I'm deeply queer. And so she flashed me with her like leather halter top. She just like lifted it up and flashed me. And then she hugged me. And I was like, thank you very much. And that was just, you know, another magical part of my Metallica uh, show experience that night. And I don't know, I've had a lot of amazing experiences like that. But that was one of the most memorable. That's a pretty memorable night. I, when you were talking, I was thinking another show that we went to, Metallica related. Metallica is probably the one band I have seen the most as an amputee. Fascinating. <laughs> it was the show they did in Florida. So it was a tribute to Marsha and John Zazula. So they did all the songs from their first two albums. That's what they did. And, <laughs> and so wow. I was just screaming and singing, just dancing and just going hard. And this dude says to me, I don't know if you're the number one Metallica fan, but you're not number two, something like that. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> 
Or he's like, I don't know if you're, yeah, something like that. That like, is saying yeah. a lot because there are a lot of true Metallica fans. Yes, there is. I am also a true Metallica fan, but I do not, I am not even in the same stratosphere as Jamila. Like Jamila is like millennia, you know, generations ahead of me. There's people galaxies that are, ahead of me. There's people who are galaxies ahead of me. So, you know. I don't know. I think you're pretty up there. I've heard I'm one of the biggest Saint Anger fans in the world, so I'll give you that. But, <laughs> but yeah, I I love that band, and I'm actually going to see them six times this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I guess I am a big mm-hmm. big into them. <laughs> this is my shout out for like accessibility. Like, have an elevated platform yes. so people who can't stand can see the band and like not have to battle a mosh pit or the other crowds because when people are drunk they are just completely oblivious which is not a judgment on drinking because I do drink but people's awareness just Mm -hmm. really kind of quickly goes downhill when they're not sober and then having that elevated platform or elevated viewing space be close to the band not just like way far away like I saw Solange and I didn't feel like I needed to be up front for Solange you know especially as a white person like that wasn't (laughs) the space I needed to be but where I was was like really 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 far away from her in a stadium where thousands and thousands of people were much closer than me and I was just so grateful to witness but yeah 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 and why not have a space that's close to the stage or have it be on the side of the stage? So maybe the side that the band or the crew do not go on, maybe have a section on the other side of the stage or a little off the stage where it is sort of a platform where folks can go, so- something. Yeah, and then I just want to give a shout out. Like I think the big videos are really helpful like for seeing the band. But also, like, Rihanna just did the uh, Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. you know, and her interpreter uh, was a deaf, hard of hearing, like, woman, you know, black woman who uh, just killed it with the interpretation. And so, like, I think having uh, interpreters who are, like, true fans of the music and really get the vibe and, like... Uh, that you pay them well ahead of time so they can rehearse and really translate the sound and the message that is really cool because everybody loves watching the ASL interpretation of a band it just like you watch the band and you're like whoa and then you watch the ASL interpreter and you're like mind is like triple blown so I just want to give a shout out to like those ASL interpreters who do music and performance interpretation and like making sure that people budget the money to pay them well so they can rehearse ahead of time absolutely and i do want to talk about the download festival which i'm going to it'll be the first time i will be leaving the country as an amputee so that'll be fascinating but there is a huge component of the festival that is specific to disabled folks so they have a whole asl section they have uh this is in the uk right yeah it's a whole section where refrigerators where people can hold their meds there's uh, accessible showers accessible camping spaces Because this is a four-day yeah music festival and yeah. usually if you have like Lollapalooza or all these like you don't really see that or at least I haven't seen that with the other festivals but this was this has a whole section so that's what needs to happen understanding that disabled folks do like going to shows Yeah, that's for sure. And like planning for us. And even if we don't look disabled, we might be still. Exactly. Having that awareness and understanding that, okay, we have facilities for you. You know, a lot of the, even the porta-potties going to shows and they're being porta-potties. And even though they are designated to have, quote, accessible ones, they're not very good. They have no light. It's when it's dark, there's no lights. You know, and then just trying to transfer from your wheelchair to the toilet. It's not good. I have been there as well going to shows with the porta potty. So just having dedicated accessible bathrooms at a concert, an outside concert, that's amazing. And assuring that people, because it's going to be June, so assuring that people are able to refrigerate their meds. Like, 
who does that you know so yeah like it's a it's a potential model for other venues and festivals yeah absolutely so I commend that I don't know when it is they started that but I was told it was pretty recently when they started that I don't know how true that is but I was told by someone who attends the download festivals uh, and who is part of the disabled community that is pretty recent they've done that so I definitely commend the awareness and the acknowledgement and the decision to move forward on that that's awesome (laughs) yes so do you have any last words before we end this special episode no I mean it's just fun to think about all the shows I've been to and I mean a lot of the shows I've wanted to go to in the last few years have been canceled because of COVID so I guess you know the last thing I would say is like I hope that people continue to mask and the reason I say that is like I do not have an autoimmune disability but a number of my close friends do and I have two friends right now who are dealing with long COVID and one of them is a mom who is struggling to parent her children because of COVID exposure from her kid attending school because they didn't have to be masked anymore and I don't want to judge people for not masking, but I just do want to say that a lot of people are still so vulnerable to the point that their entire quality of life is decimated Mm -hmm. from getting COVID. And I feel like society has left them behind. So I guess I just want to encourage people in public spaces to continue to mask. It doesn't really hurt you in any way, but it could really help another person. Mm I'm talking about people who are like parents of children and just like some of my best closest friends. So I'm like asking people to support my closest friends by continuing to mask at concerts. That's, I guess, how I yes, want to end this. I, I go out to concerts. I still wear masks. And I'm usually, if not the only one, one of the few. So <laughs> yeah, I think just having that awareness, again, acknowledgement that people exist who are disabled so just be and we're humans too who like just want to like have fun and live our lives you know (laughs) absolutely probably the most famous disabled person is stevie wonder and i love that there's still like people know stevie wonder is blind but i feel like there's still no awareness or acknowledgement of it so just understand that your favorite artist could be disabled (laughs) <laughs> just just really keep that in mind when you go to shows. Uh, I know that, uh, I mean, Tony Iommi, the, one of the founders of Black Sabbath, also has missing fingers or fingertips or something. So, you know, your favorite uh, Django Reinhardt, like there's people who, you know, are your favorite musicians and they are disabled in one way or another. So just acknowledge that we're here and... Be conscious of that and don't grab people or assume that we cannot live our lives. Just we're human, as you said. And we want to go to shows. (laughs) We're going to continue to go to shows whether or not you like it. So there it is. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here, E.T. Thank you. I love you, Jamila. Thank you. This is the most fun. You're the most fun. It's so great to reconnect. (laughs) 